Are you ready for part three of Dream Killers? Woo! All right, here it is. First Kings chapter three, verse number five. It says this, at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. I like that. <laughs> Solomon answered, you've shown great kindness to your servant, my father, David, because he was so faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You've continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son, me, to sit on the throne this very day. Now, Lord, my God, you've made your servant king in place of my father, David. But I'm only a little child and I don't know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you've chosen, a great people, too numerous to count a number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So the Lord said to him, since you've asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies. But for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you've asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never be anyone like you, nor will there ever be. I want to talk from this subject in our time together. Here it is. I hope you all are ready. I want what I want. <laughs> Somebody in that chat put, I want it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I want what I want. Family, I want to leap into this lesson with another question for your reflection. Here it is. What do you want? I'm going to say that one more time for your mind. It's a question, not just any question. I think in the context of what I'm trying to communicate, it's a quintessential question. I want you to think about it. What do you want? I found that many believers deal with a degree of apprehension and even anxiety when it comes to answering this question. And I think this apprehension is associated with them worrying and wondering whether or not what they want aligns with God's will. <laughs> and although in some cases, I think this is, watch this, a noble and an appropriate desire, it is also one at times that can be rooted in misinformation. Here it is, because I'm arguing you can't submit to God's will until you know yours. You can't give up your will if you don't know what you want. The most powerful portrait and picture of this is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he is about to be beaten and persecuted and punished and wrongfully convicted, sentenced to Roman capital punishment, yeah. death on a cross, crucifixion. He says in the garden of Gethsemane, Father, if it is possible, yeah. 
Come on. Remove this cup from me. But then he says this. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He articulated what he wanted. He was aware of his own wishes because you can't submit to God's will if you don't know your wants. And some of us are scared to answer the question. We won't allow ourselves to embrace what we're feeling because we feel like it is sacrilegious and it is selfish. And God has no interest in what you desperately and deeply desire. Now, watch this. When people operate this way, this anxiety arrests them and inhibits them from actually taking action. They become so concerned and so consumed with making the wrong decision. They make no decision, not realizing that no decision is a decision. And the indecisiveness is assassinating their dream. Y'all aren't talking to me. I said indecisiveness is a dream killer. There are some dreams that never came to pass because people were not courageous enough and clear enough to take action. And I'm talking to some people today who are suffering from analysis paralysis. And I'm telling you, at some point, you got to make a decision. If you're going to write the book at some point, you got to put sit down in front of the computer. Y'all not talking to me. If you're going to start the business at some point, you got to get your paperwork together. If you're going to fix the marriage at some point, you got to go in there and say, let's work on this. I am telling you, indecisiveness is killing dreams. But somebody that's watching me today, I want you to drop in that chat. Not me. Not me. I am sick and tired of allowing my fear of making the wrong decision to cause me not to make any decision. I believe my Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Watch this. The text says that my steps are ordered. It didn't say I would be aware of the ordering it means that it means that God can be ordering your steps and you not even know your steps are being ordered but watch what it says he delights in his way though he falls he's not utterly cast down for the Lord upholds him with his hand which means that when God's ordering my steps I might make a misstep But watch this, <laughs> though he fall, he will not be utterly cast down, which means my misstep will not ruin my mission and my ministry. God says, I'm not going to let the pain paralyze you. I'm not going to let the fall be fatal and final because I'm the God that even when you step out of the boat and begin to sink, I'll meet you halfway and carry you back to safety. I'm talking to some people that need to step out. Somebody put that in the chat. Step out. Step out. Step out. At some point, you got to do it. At some point, you got to write it. At some point, you got to say it. At some point, you got to go there. At some point, you got to put yourself out there. You've been talking about what you're going to do. And I'm telling you that the enemy is using indecisiveness to paralyze your ability. God's... 
God's giving you ability, but you can't execute on the ability if you're arrested by indecisiveness. He's trying to use indecisiveness to kill your dream. Oh, but he's upset today. He's mad on this King Sunday because I believe God is stirring and reviving and reawakening some dreams on the inside of you. At some point, you have to decide. And that's the one thing God won't do for you. How about my hope? Did you hear what I just said? I said that's the one thing that God will not do for you. Ever since the human species was created, that species was created with what's called volition. It's free will. And the reason God gives free will is because God created the human species for the purpose of a love relationship with it. Did you hear what I just said? And so wherever there is real love, there has to be choice. You can't really say you love me if you don't choose me. This is why... Yeah, yeah, this, this, this is why, this is why sisters celebrate in such an extraordinary way when they're proposed to. Because the proposal says, you chose me. Because love requires a choice. So if I didn't have a choice to love God, that would not be relationship, that would be slavery. So God says, since I want you to love me back, I'm going to give you the ability to choose me. So since the Garden of Eden, he's been giving us choice and he's encouraged us to make the right choice, instructed us on how to make the right choice, empowered us to make the right choice. He says, but this is the one thing I can't do for you. You got to choose. I can give you the dream. I can give you the talent. You got to start it. And I am telling you, indecisiveness is a dream killer. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. And I think the reason, like I said before, many wrestle with indecisiveness, at least in the religious context, is because we've received some misinformation. This is what I... I believe the Bible clearly teaches that sometimes somebody put sometimes in the chat say it in the studio sometimes sometimes, sometimes God is at work in your wants so if you always dismiss your wants you could be unintentionally dismissing what God wants for you Did you hear what I just said? I said sometimes God's at work in your wants. Dr. Darius, prove it. This is what the Bible says. Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, for it is God who works in you to will and to do his good pleasure. Come on. Did you hear what I said? So, so he, 
God goes to work to create the will, the desire in you to do, to will and to do. He says, I give you the want to and then the ability to. He says, so some of your want to's I gave you. Y'all don't believe? Yeah. You believe? See, see, in the Old Testament, there's this story about this woman named Hannah who's unable to have children. It, it, this, this story is found in 1 Samuel. The, if you want to read it, guys, the first part of 1 Samuel is this woman named Hannah who's unable to have a baby. All right. And so what a person comes before her. Watch this. A person comes before her. This is a whole nother. I don't want to even want to get deep into apologetics here. But her husband was married to another woman. It was watch this. It was it was a social norm, but not but never divinely endorsed. It's what we call in academic theological circles. It's descriptive, not prescriptive. Right. So it's described in the Bible. It's not prescribed because some people see that and try to use that as an excuse to escape monogamy. They say Abraham had multiple wives and David had, and, and, but, but see, when you look, it's described in scripture, not prescribed. Come on now. Come on now. The, 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 the Bible, what is prescribed in the New Testament is you shall be the husband of one wife. Come on now. That's what's prescribed. And when you look at what's described, it never worked out great for any of them. It was bad for Abraham. It was terrible for Solomon. It was terrible for Jacob. Why you want that? So her husband's married to this other woman who could have children. And so she wants to and she can't. And the other woman her husband with can. So the Bible says this woman named Hannah, I'm not going to bother this because it's a whole nother message. This, this, this woman named Hannah starts praying to God. It says she goes into the temple. And this is, for, this is for some of you who have issue with people being expressive and emotive in church. She goes to the temple and she is so demonstrative that the priest in the temple comes and rebukes her and said, how in the world? Did you come into this temple drunk on that white henny? <laughs> Have you been passing the Cavassier before you came to church? He rebukes her. And she says to him, I'm paraphrasing, I'm not drunk. I'm just desperate. <laughs> You think I'm drunk, but I want something so bad. I refuse to be imprisoned by the opinions of others regarding my activity. I don't care how I look. I care about what I want. Call me drunk, but I want what I want. You said, but your husband love you anyway, but I want what I want. And the Bible says that she goes home. She miraculously conceives. And God, she says to God, God, if you give me a baby, I'll give it back to you. And that boy that she gave birth to was a boy named Samuel, who became one of the most influential spiritual and civil figures in the Old Testament. He picked, God trusted him to pick Israel's first king. God trusted him to go down to Jesse's house and find David to replace him. 
God trusted him. See, watch this. But Samuel wouldn't have existed if Hannah hadn't decided, I want what I want. See, Hannah wanted, Hannah wanted a baby. But God needed a judge. So some of the things you want are what God needs. And the devil wants you to stop wanting it. So that God can get what he needs. But I want somebody to get free today to just accept I want what I want. Yeah, what I want is my business. God's will is his business. If it's not his will, he'll stop it. If it's not his will, he'll let me go. He won't let me go. But I'm not going to sit here in indecisiveness. Because God is at work through the wants. Dr. Darris, <laughs> are, you t- are you telling me that God is going to give me everything I want? No, 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 no. But I am telling you, some stuff you want, God gave you the want to. And because you don't know the difference, you just need to declare I want it all. Somebody better... Somebody better receive that. What do you, I want it all. I don't know what's me, I don't know what's God, but I do know I want it. I want what I want. I wanna be blessed. I wanna be the head, not the tail. I wanna be above, not beneath. I wanna have overflow in my life. I wanna have a marriage I love. I wanna have a house that's safe. I wanna have a ministry that's fruitful. I want it. Because indecisiveness will kill the dream. And, and, and our foundational text here in 1 Kings is an incredible example of this. This text exposes us to an individual named Solomon who had just experienced elevation. He succeeds his father David as king of Israel. The Bible says, I'm not even going to bother this. The Bible says he's not even really in the best spiritual place at this moment. No, 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 read, read. If you read the beginning of 1 Kings, you start seeing right now. See, he had this thing for exotic women. Foreign women. The Bible calls them strange, right? <laughs> non, non, non-religious. It's like, it's like <laughs> he, he had this thing. It's like, it's like, you like it with a little street in them, don't you, Solomon? You like you like a lot. <laughs> he said, and so what? What? what look, yeah, look at First Kings three. You look at First King. Y'all don't believe me. Y'all, 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 y'all don't. You don't believe me. You think I'm just uh huh? Here it is. The Bible says this First Kings three. It says Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married his daughter. This, but come on. Pharaoh, who's polytheistic, monotheistic, one God, mono one, poly, many. He's pop, sun God, moon God. This woman grew up in this kind of culture. Now watch this. This is not prescribed. (laughs) 
This is described. This isn't prescribed. It's described because it doesn't work out well for him. Here it is. Here it is. He brought her to the city of David until he finished building his palace and the temple of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. Verse two says the people, however, were still sacrificing at high places because the temple had not yet been built to the name of the Lord. So when the Bible says high places, it's not just talking about high literally. It's talking about altars that had been erected for other gods. So God's people were offering sacrifices on altars erected for other gods. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given to him by his father, David. Come on, this is verse three, except, except this is the one area where he wasn't following instruction. Are y'all, y'all follow me? Except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense on high places. Burned incense, offered sacrifice. This is not prescribed. This is described. So it says he follows the instruction of his father David, except for this one area. So he's at a place called Gibeon where there are altars erected to other gods. And he, like the people, is offering sacrifices on that altar. Right thing, wrong way. And even after that, God came to him. See, y'all, I want to make sure you're you're reading what I'm writing here. Even after that, God came here. Watch this. Because purpose doesn't require perfection. He said, because come on now, because everybody watching me has an except somewhere. (laughs) It says Solomon followed the ways of God, except, and we don't have to get into what your except is, because your except is not somebody else's except, but everybody has an except, an area or areas that are inconsistent with God's intention. But in spite of that, God comes to an imperfect man who's offering sacrifices at an incorrect place and he asks him what you want he, he says you're not perfect but what you want you shouldn't have married her but what you want you shouldn't hey 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 watch this because I'm not defining the sum total of your worthiness based on your accept. Yeah, yeah. See, in church, not the kingdom, but in church, all people look at is your accept. God says to Solomon, I'm not going to define the sum total of who you are based on your accept. He says, what you want? What? do you want me to give you? What do you want that can only come from heaven? Because you got everything you can get on earth. He said, tell me. Tell me what you want. Now, now, now watch this. This, 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 this is not an irresponsible offer. God's not recklessly offering this to Solomon. 
This comes in verse 5. But Solomon did something in verse 4. You saw it. Verse 4 says the king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices for those the most important high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings at that altar. A thousand. Wrong place, but a thousand of them. That level of generosity demonstrated a degree of trust. And God said, because you trust me, I trust you. He says, so I'm asking you what you want, not because you're perfect, but I trust you. There are some people that are more moral than you, Solomon, but they less trustworthy than you. Y'all, did you hear what I just said? Yeah, there, there, there are people who have dotted their e, dotted their I's and crossed their T's in a way that you haven't. There are people who maybe not had some of the missteps that you had, but I can't trust them. <sighs> They're unpredictable. I, I can't trust them with power. I can't trust them with purpose. I can't trust them to handle my people properly. Now, Solomon, I got to worry about how you're going to handle yourself, but I don't have to worry about how you gonna handle my people because you don't play when it comes to when it comes to my people yeah Saul didn't have some of your issues privately but he had another issue publicly which disqualified him from managing my people so Solomon I'm asking you what you want What? What do you want? And if God were to ask you, what do you want? Would you start talking about your worth or your wants? Well, you know, I'm not going to ask for anything big. Because I know I don't deserve it. I, I, I know, I know, I, I know I don't. I know, I know they deserve it. They better than me. They smarter than me. They cleaner than me. They more, more. I, I know they don't, they don't bring what I bring. They don't have my baggage. What happens some of y'all know the story about the, the woman that's one, in his kingdom, baby died, a woman switched babies. He had to help discern which was, what happens to that child if he don't answer this prayer? Did you hear what I just said? He wasn't, well, you know, Lord, I don't know. Because Solomon reveals one of the first things that we have to kill because if we don't kill it it'll kill the dream Solomon real we got to kill indecisiveness that's the first thing but when you listen at Solomon's answers you'll see he does more than kill indecisiveness here's the second thing he kills is right here in the text he kills entitlement it's in the text verse 3 says Solomon answered you have shown great kindness to your servant David my father because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. Wait a minute. We talking about David? Faithful to you. 
righteous and upright in heart. Solomon, what's your mama name? Bathsheba. Oh, y'all miss that. Y'all just completely. <laughs> y'all just completely miss. <laughs> he said he was faithful to you, righteous and upright in heart. But your mama is Bathsheba. Do you know how your father got your mother? This, come on, this statement suggests an attitude of gratitude. Because he, he has to realize my father probably shouldn't have been on that throne. But you show, you show kindness to him. Watch this. Because he, even though he made some mistakes, he was to you y'all missed it the faithfulness the faithfulness is not revealed in perfection faithfulness was revealed in David's willingness to submit to correction see watch this God doesn't trust you because you get it right all the time God trusts you because when you see you wrong you get it right When Nathan went to David, David got it right. And I want to know am I talking to some people that are willing to admit I don't get it right all the time. But God, you can trust me because when you show me that it's wrong, I'm willing to do the work to get it right. He said, so I'm not, I'm not entitled to this. Because I know my daddy probably shouldn't have been the king. And the fact that who my mama is, how I get to sit on the throne. Because I'm not my daddy's only son. And one of the sons, Absalom, wanted this. I ain't even want it. Absalom wanted it. I didn't even want it. But you, you, put, you put me in this position. And entitlement is a, is a dream killer. Because it makes you feel like you deserve it and the other sons don't. See, come on, hey, 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 hey. See, whatever dream God's given, whatever ability God's given, he just picked you. It's just kindness. That's what he said. What he said? Kindness. Kindness. That's not the only thing I see in the text. Verse 7, he killed indecisiveness. He killed entitlement. Verse 7 tells us the third thing he killed, arrogance. Here it is. Verse 7, he says, now the Lord, my God, you've made your servant king. In place of my father, David, but I'm only a little child. 
and don't know how to carry out my duties. Wait a minute. You married, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Text just says, I'm not even going to bother you. You grown enough to know what you want, too. Yeah. You went all the way over to Egypt to get you one. And I know some people are going to argue, no, this, this was a political move. He did it for political reasons. When, when you look at all the wives and concubines he had, there was a lot more motivation than political with Solomon. So he's a grown man, but he tells God, I'm a little child. He's not unaware of his inexperience. Okay, no, 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 no. Listen to me. All he knows is the palace. That's all he knows. He grew up in the palace. He don't know what life is like fixing his own food. He don't, he don't understand what it means to clean your room. So he grew up in the palace. Yet recognize that no matter how much time I had in the palace, that doesn't mean I know how to rule from the throne. And some people cannot carry out God's dream for their life because they think their experience in the palace means you got competence on the throne. I don't care how long you've been in that palace. There is nothing like sitting on that throne. I don't care how much experience you feel like you got in the palace. Once you get on that throne, don't make the assumption that you don't need assistance. And some people can't carry out their dream. Because their arrogance makes them feel like my experience in the palace means I got competence on the throne. Here's the last one. I'm done, Tario. Here, here, here's the last one right here. This, 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 here, here's the last one right here. So here it is. Indecisiveness, entitlement, arrogance. Here's the fourth thing he killed, though. Uh, they're going to put this up on the screen because some of you are going to be like, what? Here it is. Avarice. Avarice. Watch, watch, watch this, guys. Watch this. Avarice. Watch this. The text says the Lord was pleased with Solomon because he asked this. So God said to him, since you ask for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but you've asked for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you ask. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. But he says, moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime, you will have no equal among kings. Watch this. <laughs> That's because he killed. What's avarice, Dr. Darius? It's an insatiable greed. For riches, it is a, a, a miserable desire to gain and to hoard possessions, power, or purpose. Here it is. Some people can't accomplish their dreams because they want yours. Did you hear what I just said? 
Some people cannot accomplish God's dream for their life because consciously or unconsciously, they are coveting someone else's. Looking at someone else's calling. Desiring what they haven't been destined for. There's a gentleman by the name of Judd Wilhite. He said something I heard him say years ago. It changed my life. Power words. Words shift minds. Your life goes wherever your mind is. Wherever, did you hear me? You go to the next level head first. This is why Paul says you got to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And mindset shifts happen with words. Somebody say something, shift your mind. This is what he said. I'm speaking this over you. He said, love the calling you have, not the one you wish you had. I'm going <laughs> to say that one more time. Love the calling you have. Not the one you wish you had. God says, no, I picked you for this. And if you will accept your assignment, it will be more than enough. See, Solomon, Solomon asked for wisdom. Why? Because he, he recognized, I want what I want. Other people might want honor the wealth. I grew up with that. And I know that's not enough for this. Other people might need that to do what they've been called to do. But I can't do this if you don't give me what I need. So family, I'm telling you, if you will accept your assignment, it'll be more than enough. (laughs) Love the calling you have, not the one you wish you had. What I gave you is more than enough. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. I called you to this. I called you to this. And this is more than enough for you. He says, Solomon, that de- he would say, Solomon, that desire, excuse me, another desire won't do for you what you think it'll do. If you will embrace this. <laughs> I'm going to give you the things that you didn't ask for. Ooh. 
because I want you to love the calling you have not the one you wish you had because desiring somebody else's dream is a dream killer Family, I hope you receive this word today. As we prepare to dismiss, I just, I want to just, I, I want to pray over you. I want to pray that God open your eyes to see the riches of what he's given you. You are spiritually and emotionally, relationally rich, but you can't see it. So, Father, I pray for open eyes today to see that what you've given us and what you've called us to is enough. Ah, Jesus, more than enough. So I pray that you give us the wisdom and the courage and the discipline to embrace the dream that you've destined for us. Because it's more than enough. It's more than what we deserve. And it's more than we need. I pray this over your people now. Now, Father, may you bless them. May you keep them. May you cause your face of favor to shine upon them. May you be gracious to them. May you protect them provide for them and above all else Lord give them peace this is my prayer for your life in Jesus name amen